0: This week on The Brunswick Buzz, I'll be speaking with our technology integrators for grades pre-K through 12. We're gonna be discussing how parents have been struggling for a long time now on how to control what their children see and do online. And I'll be talking with them about ways that we at the Brunswick School Department help our students navigate a digital world. Looking forward to hearing from our technology integrators on this month's Brunswick Buzz. All right, so Ashley, let's go to you and kick us off here with our conversation about digital citizenship.
1: So I'm Ashley LaCroix. I am the technology integrator at Kate Furbish Elementary. Technology integrator is just a fancy word for someone who teaches both students and Teachers about the best practices of technology in learning. So, part of that is, of course, digital citizenship. And that is so important because more and more we are living in a digital world. You know, we have students who have their own devices as young as age two or three nowadays. And so, part of that is learning how to experience the world and in a safe way, and a responsible way, being respectful to others on it. At Kate Furbish, you know, a lot of it is really connecting it to the physicality. And they're so young that abstract ideas just don't work. You know, they can't understand the people behind the screen are other humans. It's just a screen to them. So we make a lot of connections to if I'm on the playground and I say mean things, how is that going to make my friend feel? Well, if I'm on my iPad and I say mean things, how is that going to make the person on the other side of the iPad feel? So we really work on connecting concretely. You know, they can't understand the people behind the screen are other humans. It's just a screen to them. So we make a lot of connections to if I'm on the playground and I say mean things, how is that going to make my friend feel? Well, if I'm on my iPad, and I say mean things, how is that going to make the person on the other side of the iPad feel? So we really work on connecting concretely from that. And then throughout the school year, both Janice, the tech integrator at HBS, and I are going to be offering various lessons each couple of months um, around topics of being kind online, being safe with your information, you know, what's okay to share, what's not to share. Um, So we're really just trying to keep it present in a in a daily capacity and also we work to educate staff because so many of our staff grew up before the internet really was so prevalent in our lives and they might not even have these practices themselves
0: Wow, that's awesome ashley can you just remind our listeners of when our students and at at, you know kfs when they receive devices what ages i mean you and i know but i think it's important can you just talk about that and what they're using
1: Yeah, sure. So Kate Furbish is an iPad school for students. So kids get a one-to-one iPad kindergarten through second grade. Now that doesn't mean that they're on the iPad all day long. It's only pulled out at very specific times. Our pre-K students do have four iPads in their classroom because they use an app called Osmo that has physical pieces they build with that then turns those into movement and, and videos on their iPad. So they're building stories physically and the iPad is turning it into a really cool adventure for them. But our K-2 students typically use their iPads in math and um, sometimes as a literary, literacy center once or twice a week where they are having books read to them so they can hear, hear fluency and what it means to be a fluent reader. But students are definitely not on iPads all day long.
0: Yeah. Uh, actually, I'll be asking the other integrators these questions too, but you've talked about being safe, you know, being respectful of one another and you know for our youngest learners and particularly our pre-K through 2 and um, it sounds like you've got ways that you do that what do you do for privacy do they can students kind of understand privacy or do you integrate that yet at that age or am I kind of thinking that's too soon
1: no definitely privacy starts with our youngest ones you know we talk about Like if I go to those pre-K students, each of them have an account on Osmo and we talk about how that's my space and I compare it to their backpack. They wouldn't go in someone else's backpack for privacy because that's their space. So we don't go in other people's digital backpacks, which are their accounts. So again, connecting it to something concrete in their lives is super important at this age level. But privacy starts with, we don't share accounts. We don't share passwords. Even if all students are using the same password, like they commonly are at this little age, we just start. Talking about those practices and how you know you wouldn't go up to a stranger in Hannaford and tell them where you live. You're not going to put it into your iPad. Your iPad doesn't need to know where you live. So I make sure that I connect things, but privacy can start as young as two or three.
0: That's that's brilliant. I love the packpack, pack, the backpack approach because right, a little person would totally understand that, right? That's my backpack, that's my my water bottle or my lunchbox or whatnot. So that's really cool. Can you just, and before we go on to Janice, can we um, just talk a little bit more about your, our staff and how you help them, particularly at that level, to ensure privacy for students? That's one of the questions that I, I've received when, as you all know, I did a column about digital citizenship in the forecast. And one of the questions I heard from another parent is, how do we help our staff? And I guess maybe I can open this up to everybody, but but anyone have any thoughts about like how do we ensure our staff are being safe with our student data?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. There are actually student data privacy laws in effect that schools have to follow as part of our legal agreements. So part of that is we reach out to companies and we have to ask them exactly what they are doing with the student's data and how they're keeping it safe. So every company we interact with and our students are using We look at the privacy agreement before we ever reach out to them and see what data is being collected on our students and what they use it for. We're looking for them to agree to COPPA laws, C-O-P-P-A is the acronym, and that just stands for a law that is talking about what data can be collected. So that's not students' names, it's not addresses, you know, it's really about use of the app only, and it cannot be sold to third parties. So any app your students are using, we have worked out data. Privacy agreements um, with from the tech department. And so we have a list of approved apps here in Brunswick that we know are data compliant and data safe. And we ask teachers to stick to those. And so when teachers come to us with a new tool before they can move forward with it, we have to go down that route. So part of the tech department's job is to make sure that we're not spreading the student data because that really should be their choice when they turn 18, what their data is doing because it belongs to them.
0: That's awesome. Thank you. Anyone else want to add to that? Ashley, that was a good, I think, yeah, where I'm seeing, we're all agreeing that Ashley just nailed that. So awesome. So Ashley, thanks. I'm going to, of course, jump in, but I'm going to move on to Janice. And Janice, will you introduce yourself and let us know what building you work at and how we, your name and whatnot.
2: Yes, uh, I'm Janice Rodriguez. I am the technology integrator at Harry Beecher Stowe for grades three to five. And I work between teachers and students with a lot of different things from projects to learning websites and programs and things like that. But on the idea of digital citizenship, do a lot with the common sense curriculum and they have different strands and some of them include cyberbullying, privacy and security. Digital footprint is a new term for third graders.
0: Oh,
2: okay. Um, yeah. So just learning like when they go to websites, how it kind of tracks them a little bit and that's how they get their likes on there and things like that. They recognize it's happening, but they didn't understand why. News and media literacy. So understanding what's real and not. And then also just finding a balance in media stuff. So screen time and whatnot. Our students use Chromebooks. Um right. grades three okay. to five are in Chromebooks or one to one and they're used across different subjects for different reasons. So they're not on it all the time, but it could be anything from reading books online from Epic, having them read to them, going online for researching, um, or creating for presentations, whether it's a slideshow, a video, a book, something like that.
0: Hmm. Do you notice that your students, is there, a, you were just talking about likes, Our students, the students that you work with in are they, I'm thinking, more, I don't know, savvy is the right word, but are students knowledgeable when you start talking about likes and things like that, digital footprint stuff at that age, meaning grades three through five, are they Are they knowledgeable about that? Or do you have some students that are like, what are you talking about?
2: We just kind of compare it to like, you know, walking in the sand or something like you can oh, see really? it, it comes from you. And then just kind of how is it is an abstract idea for them, just that it follows them online. But okay. They understand the idea of like how they might see their parents like, oh, my mom was talking about cooking and on Facebook, now there's Pots and pans cooking up in her ads and things like that. So they've seen it in the outside world. And so they start making connections like that's how that happens. And
0: is your can you just talk a little bit more about privacy, how you address privacy at this, uh, you know, grades three through five? And do you have a different conversation like we use the backpack? Approach. It uh, sounds like Ashley brought that up. Do you use something different, or what do you what do you do to get the point about privacy at that age level?
2: I feel like maybe Ashley's done a really good job at KFS because once they get to third grade, like they know like this device is theirs that they shouldn't just okay. go and take somebody else's while it's signed on to their account. If there is a student absent, like you know, they'll make sure they're signed off before they sign in because they want to be in their own account. I would say the students are pretty good about understanding what belongs to them and what doesn't in that sense.
0: All right. We're going to pivot to the junior high. Excited to hear about this because I think this seems to be, at least in my experience, seems to be where students really do expand their digital footprints. So, Michelle, will you introduce yourself and tell, you know, what I know the background, where you are and what you do and whatnot?
3: Yeah. Hi, I'm Michelle Russo. I'm the technology integrator here at Brunswick Junior High. I spend a fair amount of my time helping teachers, staff, and students use technology in the classroom. And then another part of my job, I also am fortunate enough to teach a digital citizenship class to the sixth graders for a, it's a trimester long class. It's so great. I think that I have that opportunity because I'm able to address a lot of things with kids, like talking about digital footprints, talking about how we can keep our information private and being careful about what we share, striking that balance between, you know, being online and being offline. So I'm have a lot of, I'm very, I guess I would just say I'm excited that I get that opportunity. you,
0: can I just, uh, so I'd like to, uh, again so we're talking about digital footprint but one of the things that I when I did some research before I did this article and some of you helped provide that and then I I went a little deeper and one of the things that I, I found which particularly at this grade level six through eight or junior high or middle school level was that one of the concepts really that at least at what I understood people talking about digital uh, citizenship is that the internet or is forever and starting to explain that. Do you, do you, is that accurate? I I mean, I, I found the research that I looked at and that, you know, at this grade level, that's really important to start talking to people, if not even grades four and five, it said, but thoughts on that and how you go about doing that if you do.
3: Yeah. So we do talk about how, you know, everything you do online is it's there and it will be there forever. And so you want, you know, we try to tell students like how, You just want to be careful about what you share and just know that it can follow you wherever you go. So it's like your shadow almost. It's going to be there. People can find it. People can search for things. Even if you think you've deleted it or it's gone, it can be found. And we just want students to be be aware that they always have their digital shadow, I guess, behind
0: them. And staff-wise now, junior high I always think of junior high as a place that's had technology for probably longer than most schools, right? Because of the whole yes. MLPI. Is that accurate? And do you feel as though the junior high staff were, are you know more, I don't want to say up to date, but wh- how does technology at the junior high, is it different? Do you feel like in other levels or? or? Yeah, I haven't,
3: I haven't had a chance to go to some of the other schools that often, but just from being here for so long, I feel like technology use can seem seamless at times, like I just, I feel like teachers are very comfortable using the computers in their classrooms and students are comfortable as well, especially as they get to eighth grade when they've had, you know, their MacBooks for two years and they have that you know a level of proficiency and they have a lot of and I think teachers do as well because we have been fortunate enough to be using them for so long
0: can you and I neglected to bring this at the beginning of when you started speaking but can you remind our listeners what our students use at the (laughs) junior high
3: Yes yeah, sorry so we have Macbooks in grade 6, 7 and 8th grade this year
0: and that's new this year.
3: Yes so 6th graders in previous years had Chromebooks and this year we were able to use some older generation Macbooks for 6th grade. And do you
0: you know this is a loaded question but have you noticed students have a preference between different devices and this is all of you I'd love to hear Ashley I don't know if you know if students at your level or Janice or or Dan but do you do you notice that there's preference for the device?
3: I can tell you the sixth graders were very good to have MacBooks this year instead of Chromebooks. So I do think there is a preference, at least in the junior high, where all the two other grades have MacBooks. I think sixth grade does feel like, oh, we have MacBooks too.
0: Anyone else kind of get that vibe from your students?
3: Uh, my students miss the
2: touch screen on the Chromebooks. They Compared they keep to the, going okay. to touch, Going from the iPad to the Chromebook, oh, really uh, they miss the touch screen.
0: Yes, that's probably, didn't think of that, but that's got to be a big change, isn't it? Dan, and then at the high school level, we'll come back to you, Michelle, but I'd just love to ask Dan thoughts on that device switch, because I know we're switching at the high school.
4: Well, at the high school, the uh, freshmen all have MacBooks, and then we provide a Chromebook for sophomores through seniors if they choose to take one. They're also able to bring in their own device. I would say, The students who bring in their own devices by far are bringing in MacBooks of some sort or an iPad. And so just looking at that preference, that that's what they've purchased back during COVID when their parents' guardians bought them a device during that time, that seems to be what they're bringing in. That's what they like to use. And Mac is leading the way on that for sure. Interesting. Thank you. Michelle, can I just go back to you and then
0: Dan, will pivot back to you again. Do you start at the junior high level, and this is really my learning as uh, I'm enjoying this because I'm, I'm I'm getting a lot out of this, but do you start talking to students about different sources? I know Janice started talking about that, but, you know, different, as I said, different sources. So what's, I don't know if I want to say real and not real, but, you know, what's the difference between fact and opinion? Do you, can you just talk about that and how you do that? Maybe I don't know if you do that in your course or or when you're working with students.
3: Yeah, so we do talk a lot about source credibility, and how do you know if a source is good. And that's something I teach not only in sixth grade digital citizenship, but I know it's also taught in our social studies and our language arts classes at the junior high, uh, and maybe the high school as well. So we talk to students about how do you know if information is is good? So we talk about, is it current? Like, is it something there are times you want information to be current? Like if you're looking for health information, you don't want an article from 1970. We talk about, is it, you know, is it relevant to what you're looking for? Who is the author? We talk a lot about making sure you understand who's writing it and any sort of purpose they might have behind writing that and starting to talk a little bit about what what is bias. So yes, we do talk, we start to introduce those and we have an acronym we use for it. It's called CRAAP. It's called um, the the CRAAP acronym, which the kids get a a kick out of, but it's one of the acronyms we use to help them remember each part of what they should look for when they are vetting sources.
0: Can you, uh, do I put you on the spot and can you, what's that stand for?
3: Yeah. So the C stands for currency. The R stands for relevant. The A stands for, I think it goes author and then the other a should be for accuracy and the p is for purpose
0: oh that's awesome
3: i love and I, i'll double check that but that's just
0: yeah i'd love the phrase that you see a couple phrases that i've heard today but one is source credibility that's often one that i have conversations with when i'm speaking with students or you know when i had my own children when they were a little younger but source credibility because i often would and i i don't think i ever used that term when i was working with students but i think that's a really powerful term and using your crap. That's a fun phrase too, right? That gets but you know, it's their right, it attention. That little mnemonic device, I think that's what that's called. You could say that that's a cool little tool though. So that does get their attention. That's I'm not sure if that's the perfect segue, Dan, but we're gonna we're gonna move a little bit to the high school but credibility, source credibility sounds like a perfect segue. So you've told us what students are using there. And why don't you, um, I don't think we actually formally introduced you though. So why don't I pause and let you do that?
4: Uh, I'm Dan Daring. I'm the technology integrator at Brunswick High School. Brunswick High School, the freshmen all have MacBooks and we offer a Chromebook for sophomores through seniors but we also offer the ability for students to bring in their own device so that's what we use at the high school yeah and and can you just you know from my
0: perspective i often been dealing with individuals when they get to my office if you will that students have made some difficult or maybe challenged choices and particularly sometimes around technology. So and that's that's not to say all the time, right? So let's make sure our listeners know. But can you just talk to me about how, you know, moving to that next level what you do or how, you know, teachers talk about not just beyond source credibility but back to that backpack Kind of thing that Ashley was talking about, right? And being safe and whatnot. Can you talk about some of the things that you do or some of the things you'd recommend to families to ensure that students are being safe online?
4: Yeah. At the, uh, at the high school level, you're at a point now as a student that everything that you do really matters. And if you are involved in things that you shouldn't be involved in, that digital footprint that's done through Technology that digital footprint is going to be there for you. As a coach, I'm constantly speaking with my athletes about what you do tonight, what you do this weekend. And if pictures are taken of you in a certain situation, even if you're not involved, recordings are done. If you're involved posting things that are inappropriate, that could cause you, that could cause your team, that could cause your family an awful lot of embarrassment. And it's really time to grow up and understand that your digital footprint not only affects you, but other people around you and their expectations of you and your yourself, how you feel about yourself. So myself, I know teachers and other coaches and so forth, we're constantly reminding students that you're in a situation where anything you do can be seen. A lot of times it's a negative. You do so many positive things. Let's stay on that path and and be the ones putting out the good positive things about what we do at Brunswick High School, what we do in class, what we do on our teams.
0: That's uh, I, I think I I, I don't know I'm, I'm dating myself, but I do often feel for our our students particularly of that high school or any age but about how instant it is right because you can easily snap a photo or, and, and rather innocently do that. But then the implications of once you put that out there, out there being the, you know, the internet or the web or whatever, you know, device or, or tool you use, you really can't get it back. And that's what I mean. My heart always goes out for when I'm dealing with a student that maybe has made a choice. And, you know, and again, I'm a strong proponent of restorative practices and believing that students deserve a second chance if they can prove that, you know, it's a mistake that was not deliberate i just i i wanted to say that out loud because I, I really i struggle with that just because it's so we all know that you know our students brain development or emotional development is not quite where it should be at that point and it, the lasting implications can be so drastic so we've talked a little bit about source credibility i love that so one topic that i didn't put in my column but i was i've been thinking about and reading a lot about when i did some research was just about how do we coach do children to, you know, it's okay to be who you are online. Anybody want to talk about how we might do that?
1: Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing is is empathy. You know, it's teaching students to be, empathetic to each other and differences and recognizing that the social media that they see a lot of is very curated. It's deliberately put out to look the best it can be. No one, no one is really wanting to put out the worst of themselves to such a public facing platform like the internet. So I think it comes down to a lot of conversations, especially families as their kids are bringing up things celebrities are doing or someone online is doing, reminding them that that's only part of the picture, that nothing on social media is the complete whole everyday picture for anyone. You know, you're not going to post those days where you had a rough day and you're not feeling your best, but you are going to post the days where you had a great day and you were at the beach and like you know, you post the happy things, you don't post the sad things.
0: Your your word curated is just, that's, uh, seem that's brilliant. Uh, the article that I was reading uh, recently about that was trying to talk to students about recognizing just that. And they use the word curated, recognizing that there's a lot of stuff online that's not, or maybe I don't want to say fake, but it's curated. It's not real. I'd like to just do a quick round robin and wrap up here, but if you, and I'll give you a moment to kind of think about it, but if you can give one bit of advice to your parent of the age group that you work with, what would it be? Dan, we'll go with you at the high school level.
4: Yeah, I think uh, probably the biggest thing I see with students is their screen time and how many hours a high school student is compared to maybe a junior high and elementary student or on their screen in school, but also outside of school. My advice is see what you can do about limiting that time. And a lot of times it's uh, they're playing games or they're doing socializing. But if you're trying to get a good night's sleep and you're not off that about a 45 minutes to an hour before you go to sleep, that's definitely gonna disrupt your sleeping patterns, your health, your energy. And everything that goes around, student being positive at school and doing the best they can, and coming in feeling rested and ready to go. It's awesome your
0: suggestion of putting the phone down for a period of time before you do go to sleep. I think our circadian rhythm and our need for slowing down as we go into a a full night's sleep. I'm going to pivot to uh, Michelle, so we stay and we're going to go down to order to Ashley down at Cape Furbish. But so, Michelle, what's your one bit of advice you'd give to a, a parent?
3: Yeah, I think I would encourage parents to check in with their kids about what's going on online. I think often we check in with them about their day and how is how are things at school, but it's really important, I think, to check in with kids about how things are going online because a lot can be happening on that screen. I think parents want to trust and teachers and other adults in their life want to trust, but I think it's always great to just check in with them about what's going on online.
0: That's awesome. Quick story. I was uh, somewhere recently and I heard a parent that they didn't know who I was, but they were like, Hey, how was your day? And the response was, Good, right? How was your day? Good. And I wanted to go over and speak to that parent and say, Let me give you a couple other phrases that you can use that you're going to actually be able to get a, a better response than good. And that's, you know, when you think about checking in with them, I think that's what I would recommend for those parents when you're checking in is like, you know, what website have you visited today or where did, you know, what app did you use the most today? I'm not sure if those are great questions, but but something like that, then how was your day, right? Janice, I'll pivot to you.
2: Uh, yes, I can't remember the exact fact, but I know that there's increasingly more students are witnessing or being a part of cyber bullying these days in grades three to five. And so when I went over that lesson, it's really shocking how many of them have seen it or been on the receiving end of it. And so I think a big thing is just talking to your child about what they are seeing online and how they can handle certain situations. In my lesson, we talked about like reporting or going to a grown up or standing up for others that might also be online. And so being able to have those open conversations, I think would be really important so they know how to interact and circumnavigate that.
0: Ashley, thoughts?
2: I'm going to second
1: Michelle and Janice. It comes down to communication. You know, starting at a young age and all the way up, Being that trusting, safe place where your child knows no matter what is happening online, they can come to you and you're not going to pass judgment. You're not going to get angry. You're just going to support and discuss through with them. So I think it really comes down to just making sure you're available and having those conversations can be hard because as adults, we may not know what to ask. So I'm going to shout out again, Common Sense Media is a website that has not only a curriculum for our kids in Brunswick, But it has a ton of parent resources about what are the current apps, what are some questions, how to have conversations, how to make sure you're getting media balance at home, home privacy and media agreements like you can make plans as a family for when is okay for technology? When is it not okay to have technology? So common sense media is a huge tool that can help with those conversations and how to navigate a lot of these situations we didn't have to navigate as children. You know, our kids are really pioneers here. We hear the term digital native a lot. I think that's misleading. No kid is born knowing how to navigate the internet because it's always changing and evolving. I think they're more susceptible to being caught up in, think of it like the ocean caught up in a wave of information. So if we can help them learn to surf the wave and and move with it and shape it to their needs that they'll be a lot healthier as adults as they continue to grow up.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I think the one takeaway that when I looked at common sense media doing the research was their tools for parents are, are better than I thought to be honest. I was like, oh wow, I could have used that when I was talking to my children or you know my students or whatnot. So that's I think that's the other thing and I think the other my other caveat would be, when for parents to not, you know, just having the conversation is a win in my book and don't beat yourself up or be like, oh, I don't know how to talk digital talk or whatever. Really, it's not. It's really just talking and having, I think someone talked about it, that open communication, trusting one another to, you know, allowing them to do that. This is awesome. I appreciate your time, everybody, and also appreciate all you do with our students. I'm really excited to have as much technology as we do at our students' fingertips, but I think the takeaway for me is that it's also nice to know that we're also putting some guardrails up for our students and we're trying to coach them or help them surf that wave, that digital wave, which I'll start using too. I love that because I think that's really important. Gotta, we're not going to be able to stop the wave or push the wave back, but we can certainly help them navigate that wave and do so successfully and do so safely. Hey, thank you for listening to the Brunswick Buzz. The Brunswick Buzz is available wherever you find your podcast.